Hello and welcome to the Fidelity Next podcast, a podcast for post-secondary students brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada, where we'll provide you with the tools you need to navigate your impending careers successfully in today's landscape. In this, the sixth Fidelity Next podcast, we're talking about resume and interview tips. It's competitive out there, so what can you do to stand out from the crowd? Fidelity Canada has a long history of on-campus events, but due to the pandemic, we haven't been able to travel to students. But hope these Fidelity Next podcasts and live webcasts can bridge that gap and provide you with the information we share during typical sessions on campus. Today, we'll hear from two members of Fidelity Canada's recruitment team, Mansura Khalifa, recruitment consultant, and Como Sharma, campus relations manager. Mansura, Como, and host Emily Ananuevo discuss resume best practices that will make your application stand out, as well as what recruiters look for during interviews and the importance of being your authentic self during the application process. Also, they'll touch on how you can make a memorable impression online and how to adapt from in-person to virtual interviews. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy, or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Resumes seem to be always the one thing everyone's trying to perfect, especially when it comes to landing that dream job. We all know first impressions are everything, so you want to make sure a recruiter or hiring manager considers your application from the very first word. Resumes can hold you back or move you forward, and that's why it's important to make sure your resume is up-to-date, easy to read, and visual, visually appealing. On Fidelity Next, our purpose is to provide insights on what a career looks like at our company and give you tips on how to build your professional profile. Today, we're talking all about enhancing your resumes and polishing up your interview skills. We have two very special guests joining us today, Campus Relations Manager Komal Sharma and Mansura Khalifa, Recruitment Consultant at Fidelity Canada. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Emily. Homo Mansura, both of you have interacted with many students and have definitely gone through your fair share of resumes and interviews. But let's start with resumes first. Can you just explain the overall importance and significance of having a solid resume and what main components students should include in their profile? Yeah, sure. So, Emily, resumes are a really big topic, especially for students, because it's so early in their career and there's so much information out there which can get quite overwhelming. So I'd like to start off by just covering off the basics, which may seem obvious, but common mistakes such as spelling errors, typos, using a font that's difficult to read, these kind of things can automatically set you back. Recruiters are looking at resumes all day. So um, the average time they take to review a resume is about one minute. So within that minute, if we see a typo, it could be a deal breaker, especially when there's all these other resumes that we may be reviewing without those common mistakes. So that would be the first thing to mention. Another thing um, that I often encourage students to do is to say more than their job titles. So you'll see a lot of titles like customer service representative. And then in the bullet point underneath, you'll see something like helped customers with their various questions. 
So here you're not really saying uh, anything more than what the job title already implies, and you're wasting space on your resume, which you're already trying to keep really clear and concise. So instead, share your accomplishments. You know, if you have customer service experience, you can skip all the stuff that's really obvious about the role and highlight things that and draw attention to what you brought to the role. So instead, you could write something like, provided such efficient customer service that, I, that we reduced the wait time for customers by 30 minutes. So here you're already saying a lot more and you're also painting a picture of what your work ethic looks like as well. And that's such a great example right there because you don't want to just repeat what your responsibilities were, right? You want to actually highlight how you contributed to the team. And typos and grammar mistakes definitely don't include those. That is just a big, uh, big no-no for sure. Um, and sir, I want to turn to you. What tips can you offer in terms of showcasing your skills on your resume and really highlighting what you can do? For sure. No, that's a great question, Emily. You know, I think one of the, you know, number one tips that's often shared about, you know, resumes is that you should tailor it to the role or the organization that you're applying to. And I think, you know, the importance of that can't be underscored enough. Um, and it's important because it allows a recruiter or an employer to very easily, you know, essentially see the connection between the role that they're hiring for and your candidacy for that role. Now, you know, I understand, you know, it might seem like a bit of a daunting task of, you know, how do I make sure my resume is always tailored for every role that I'm interested in? Um, and I have a sort of a, I guess, simple um, method or a simple kind of framework that you can use for this. Um, you know, I always recommend keeping a separate document from your resume that's really focused on your either skills inventory or experience inventory. And basically what this is, is, you know, a living document that you continuously update as you, you know, acquire new skills, new experiences, um, you know, um, kind of, you know, are part of different roles. Perhaps, you know, it's your extracurricular activities, um, as well as, you know, anything that you've learned along the way. So really keeping track of that in a separate document and doing so, you know, continuously because your experience is always evolving, it really allows you to then be able to draw upon that information when it comes time to actually prepare your resume to then, you know, go through and curate what those right points are to really support, you know, what that role is looking for or what that ideal position is. So I, you know, really recommend kind of starting this off, you know, early in your career and just continually, you know, working on it because, you know, I, I think we can all probably agree, you know, things are a lot easier to remember when they're fresh in our mind or we've just had those experiences. So um, definitely, you know, make sure that uh, you're keeping track of it because it'll make telling your resume just a hundred times easier. And that's such a great recommendation to have sort of that inventory bucket you can just pick from whenever you need to tailor your resume. But if you could just expand a little bit, Mansoor, on um, on how to explain certain skills like hardworking or flexible and adaptable. I mean, people, students might just kind of throw those buzzwords in, but how do you expand on that? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, I, I would say that we often see a lot of those kind of, you know, buzzwords like, you know, multitask or hardworking, um, you know, all, all of those good things, which are all, you know, great attributes. Um, but what's really helpful or what really allows employers to be able to recognize the value um, in, you know, kind of a further conversation or further interview is if you can, instead of, you know, using those buzzwords, really think about how can I show or demonstrate how I did this? 
So perhaps instead of, you know, blatantly saying, you know, okay, hardworking on your resume, think about which experiences you can use to support your profile in, you know, showing that you're hardworking. Maybe that means that, you know, you're often putting your hand up for, you know, involvement in projects outside of the scope of your role or, um, you know, kind of juggling multiple priorities. So you want to really show how you demonstrated it rather than, you know, kind of focusing a little bit more on some of those, you know, um, kind of uh, buzzwords, I would say. Perfect, perfect. All good points there. Koma, I want to go back to you and talk about extracurricular activities you can add to your resume. Obviously, 2020 was a hard year for everyone, especially for students who couldn't physically go to events and conferences. So how do you highlight those extracurricular activities and hobbies and interests on your resume? Yeah, so one of the concerns that students often have is that they don't have enough experience to fill up a resume. And that's when I always want to remind them about extracurricular activities. Extracurricular activities are so crucial because this isn't something that you're getting paid to do or something that you need to do to get through school. This is something that you're really doing out of sheer will and something that you're taking time out of your day to, to get more involved with. So there's a lot of transferable skills that come from extracurricular activities. Um, so let's say if you're a VP uh, at the investment club at your school, you know, within this role, you're organizing meetings with students, you're working with um, employers to gain sponsorships, you're working with marketing to gain, uh, I mean, to create client awareness. So these types of skills are worth mentioning. And if you could tie them into the role you're applying to, that could really go a long way. Now, taking the time to learn about companies through virtual information sessions is almost a new way to recruit students. So obviously we post all of our jobs at school job boards and students can go and click their way through to apply. But we also host networking sessions and information sessions with schools where we share information about our company. We do panel discussions. We even do some networking. So for those who attend a Fidelity information session, you now have insight on the representatives who were at this session, and now you have direction to potentially send them a message on LinkedIn. And one thing I really want to emphasize is always, always include your resume when you are sending that initial email or that first LinkedIn message. Almost treat it like your business card when you're networking, because chances are it's going to be shared with other people. And if you want to speed up the process, you just want to make sure you provided your resume right up front. Um, another thing about virtual sessions is it clicks a lot of boxes for a recruiter. So you've demonstrated that you're using the resources around you, you're taking initiative to learn about companies through these sessions, and this already puts you ahead of someone who just simply clicked through to a posting and applied. So there is another way to recruit students, and I would say it's through these virtual sessions. How do you effectively demonstrate the attention to detail skill? How do you expand on that? So yeah, attention to detail can kind of be, you know, shown in different ways. Um, you know, maybe you worked on a project that allowed you to, you know, kind of identify previous errors and then, you know, um, go ahead and find a way to rectify them or, you know, demonstrate your value in that sense. So it's probably thinking through, you know, what aspects of my experience actually required me to be really focused on those details to make sure that all those I's were dotted and T's were crossed and, you know, really, um, you know, pulling out those experiences. And that's why, you know, I definitely think the inventory or continuously, you know, working on an inventory is really helpful because you're constantly, you know, reflecting upon your experience and what, you know, each aspect of it actually taught you, what you learned and what skill you developed. But I think definitely focusing on some of those areas 
where, you know, you're talking about, you know, probably, you know, removing uh, inconsistencies or errors uh, really go a long way in talking about, you know, or demonstrating um, how, how you're uh, very focused on details. Now, I want to touch upon um, cover letters for, for a minute. Um, you know, do we still need them? Uh, you, with resumes now, you have your little summary on your LinkedIn profile. You have a little about me. So, Homa, if I could turn it to you, are cover letters necessary these days? So usually students provide cover letters, but I wouldn't assume that everyone who sees your resume will see your cover letter. And that's when I would uh, use a summary, which is like you mentioned, a few lines on top of your resume. But I would be very intentional with the summary. So avoid using filler words like hard worker or works well in a team. You know, these are things, these are statements where you're not really saying anything and you're taking up, again, precious real estate on your resume. So use the summary to explain your story in a concise way. If you're taking relevant uh, courses or certifications that, that are relative to the role, or if you are developing a specific skill set that's valuable, you know, by putting that in your summary, it almost sets the foundation for the rest of your resume. And for example, like let's say if you're applying to a role that requires really strong Excel skills, um, instead of writing, you know, proficient in Excel, again, very vague, you know, you're keeping the recruiter guessing. Um, you can write something like, uh, I'm aware that this role requires a lot of strong Excel skills, which is something that I can demonstrate since I was able to improve a process using Excel in a previous role. So the goal really is to give the recruiter something that shows that you've invested the time to learn about the role and the company, and now the recruiter can make the choice to invest in you. Should I add a location? to uh, my experiences on my resume. So a specific location or city, if it's been out of the country, is it good to add that beside, you know, what job you had? Yeah, I would say so. I would say, especially now. Um, so we recruit students across Canada and um, we do, even though we have um, maybe students that are uh, doing an internship virtually in Toronto, they're going to school in UBC or Calgary. So um, I think knowing the location is really important because even though everything is virtual now, there's time zones to consider and all those things. So I think it's important to note, to state where what your location is or what your location was in the past. It's always just really helpful to know for the recruiter. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Masura, do you wanna add anything to the cover letter uh, topic in terms of highlighting your professional brand and profile? For sure. Yeah, I know we've already, you know, mentioned the importance of sort of, you know, having a summary at the top of your, you know, resume. And I think that's even more important, you know, if you're not including a cover letter, because it really helps to, you know, convey your, you know, professional brand as well as your profile. And I would almost think of this as, you know, your opportunity to weave together, you know, the, you know, experiences that you have and really show how they're related to the role that you're applying for. So typically you wouldn't want it to be more than I would say like three to five sentences. Um, so really, you know, the best way to do this or work on this is to think through your experience, synthesize it, and then summarize it to make sure that, you know, you are conveying your professional brand. Um, and one other thing that we have seen a lot of or, you know, um, or seeing more of, I would say, is the use of almost a professional headline um, at the top of your resume. And this can be used in different ways. You know, it can perhaps, you know, be your current you know, role or job title, it could also be the title of the role that you're targeting. So for example, it could say, 
you know, financial analyst or inside sales professional or communications coordinator, or whatever you feel is most appropriate. But including something like that at the top of your resume allows a recruiter to very easily be able to see what type of role you're interested in. And then you should make sure that the experience that you've included on your resume really, you know, um, support that title because, uh, or that title or that headline, um, you want to use that headline as sort of your North Star and all the experience that you're going to talk about afterwards is going to support that and show how, you know, that's a great fit. Do you remember a resume that stood out in your mind in terms of formatting and language, um, I assume in a good way? For sure. Yeah, no, we definitely see a lot of resumes, you know, come, come through our desk. Um, but I would say what definitely stands out or, you know, allows me or another recruiter to easily be able to say, yes, this is a candidate we would move forward is one where, you know, the story is clear, uh, clearly articulated in the sense that the headline, the summary and all the experiences that are included, they all, you know, work together to paint a picture as to, you know, why that role is, you know, an excellent fit for the individual and also, um, you know, why they're interested in the organization essentially. Um, so I would say it's those, you know, resumes that we see where you can tell that the candidate has definitely taken the time to think through their experiences and what is most relevant to what they're applying for that stand out and make it really easy to, you know, move those resumes into the yes pile and, you know, move them forward in the process. Font size and font type and how important it is. Maybe I can turn back to Como because I know you mentioned that briefly off the top of the show. I mean, obviously not have a font size that's too small to read, right? That makes sense. Yes, I think um, there is an appetite to be really creative with resumes, which is great. And especially if you are applying to a role that's, you know, maybe in digital media or, you know, a role that requires some Photoshop. Um, but I wouldn't go into a territory where you're maybe uh, not 100% comfortable. So getting really creative with the font can, or even with the format can, um, almost distract the recruiter. So you wanna make sure that your facts are very clear, your goal is very clear. Like Mansura said, you have your summary, your experience, your all the information that we're clearly looking for. Um, it's nice to get creative, but I would stick to, you know, at times new Roman font uh, or just a font that's very easy to read. A great recommendation there. Now let's shift gears to interview skills and polishing up your your interview skills. Obviously, most of us since March have been working from home and students have had to navigate a virtual environment, maybe even doing a virtual interview over Zoom. So Mansoor, I want to turn it to you. Virtual or not, does preparing for an interview remain the same? Absolutely, Emily. You know, I think, um, you know, preparation is definitely the name of the game and it's no different when it comes to interviewing and preparing. Um, so, you know, you definitely want to make sure that as you're, you know, getting ready for your interview that, you know, you've taken the time to, you know, research not only the company, but perhaps, you know, individuals that work at the organization or the interviewers that you're going to be meeting with um, just to make sure that you have a good feel for, you know, kind of the culture and, um, you know, what different programs they offer as well. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're using the time that you have in your interview to, you know, kind of demonstrate, you know, the value that you bring to the organization, but also, you know, how you feel the organization is, you know, um, going to be connecting with you essentially. So I definitely don't think, you know, you can begin your preparation too early. Um, frankly, I think it actually, you know, never really stops in a sense, you know, if you're, if you're actively looking for a role, you want to make sure you're continuously researching the organization that you're 
you're connecting with individuals that can tell you a little bit more about, you know, what it's like to work there and, you know, really being, um, you know, comfortable walking into that meeting um, just so, you know, you're, you're feeling comfortable about it as well. Um, and one thing I will mention, you know, a common question that comes up in interviews is, you know, why, why would you like to work at this organization? And, you know, uh, there's a lot of ways that you can answer that, but doing your research will help you, you know, come to that answer for yourself. But, you know, it could, you know, look something like, you know, maybe you're interested in some of the community engagement work that this organization does, or they offer a particular development program that's completely aligned to your interests. Maybe, you know, um, you're, you really, um, you know, kind of resonate with the mission of this organization. Do you want to take the time to really kind of answer that why for yourself in advance of the interview so you can you know answer for yourself you know why do i want to work at this organization and then really demonstrate that in the interview so that you know the um, interviewers can really see that you know um you're you're really looking for that next step on such practical advice because i know in the jobs i've gotten going the extra mile and taking the extra step to reach out to people who actually work at the company and they understand what they do and the culture it just shows that you care about this position and this job so really great advice there Komal, any other tips you want to give in terms of preparing for an interview Yes. So for interviews, I think it's really important to know what to expect. For some students, this could be their first formal interview. So using um, resources such as Google or YouTube, you know, to find out what kind of questions you'll be asked can help you avoid being caught off guard. And, you know, like Mansoura mentioned about preparation, the less, I mean, sorry, the more prepared you are, the less nervous you'll be. So, but al alongside that, I do want to emphasize you should not be reading notes during an interview. <laughs> we can tell, recruiters can tell when you're reading. So in an interview, we are really feeling out the chemistry. You know, we're trying to find out what kind of person are you? You know, do your values align with the values of the company? And you wouldn't bring um, notes to an in-person interview, which is exactly why you shouldn't bring it to a virtual interview. It just doesn't leave the best impression. And one thing that's uh, interesting about virtual interviews is that you can't really read the room anymore. You know, you can't read body language, even eye contact is a bit tricky. So when you're in an interview and the first question is, tell us a little bit about yourself, you have to be very mindful about the amount of time that you're speaking for. And a great way to do that is by simply checking in, you know, openly say, um, did I answer your question or should I go on? And these check-ins are really great because it shows that you're being attentive and you're letting the interviewer jump in with that, without them having to interrupt you. So it's, it's just really great for that. And it's also really great to avoid going off on tangents and talking about stuff that may not be relevant to the role. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you uh, brought up about timing and obviously not reading a script, not having your notes, but should you try to practice the timing of your answers? Is there sort of a sweet spot in terms of, okay, make sure this answer is about a minute, minute and a half long, so I'm not rambling? I'm afraid that timing would almost take away that natural flow that we talked about. And, you know, mm -hmm. it is a conversation. You know, this is something where that, that we want to just feel out um like I said before, like who you are. So by timing things and being really, you know, if something is off time, you don't want to be caught off guard either. So you want to keep it natural, openly checking in, keeping that communication open. It's almost like a reflection of what you will be like once you're hired. So I would keep, uh, I would keep the check-ins over uh, timing your answers. Okay, perfect. So once you're done your research and you have your notes ready, but but not reading it, of course, the actual mm -hmm. interview part is 
can definitely be the most nerve wracking, right? So what questions should you expect? How can you best answer a question that's thrown your way? Masura, I want to turn it to you because I know there's a specific method you wanted to talk about that makes that process easier. For sure. Yeah, no, I know preparing for interviews can definitely be nerve wracking. So sort of having a bit of a, you know, kind of approach or idea of how you're going to answer questions kind of in your back pocket is definitely really, really helpful. Um, you know, one framework that you may have heard of is called the STAR method. Um, and this is really helpful for, you know, answering behavioral type questions, which basically, you know, ask you to recall, you know, some of your past experiences and how you handled certain situations. So whether it's, you know, a time that you found a creative solution to a problem or you dealt with a really difficult, you know, uh, customer inquiry, um, you know, using the STAR method can be really, really helpful. So I'll just, you know, kind of briefly explain what each aspect looks like. It's basically an acronym um, that stands for situation, task, action, and result. Um, and basically, those are the four main areas you want to make sure your response covers, because that is really what your you know, interviewing team is going to be looking for. So the situation is, you know, it's rather self-explanatory in the sense that you just want to give some context as to, you know, which situation you're going to be talking about, when was it, you know, perhaps which employer, was it a group project, just a little bit of context to, you know, kind of lay the foundation. When you think about the task or describing the task, what you want to think about here or, you know, convey to your interviewer is, you know, what was I asked to do? Why was it important that this be done? Um, what were maybe some challenges that you may have had to encounter, whether it be timeline or you know, lack of clarity or anything along those lines, that's what you want to cover in this section. So, you know, maybe one or two sentences on that. Action is where you want to really talk about, okay, what did you do? And, um, you know, whether that means that, you know, you took a unique approach to solving the problem, maybe it means you engaged other people to get their, you know, thoughts, um, you know, on how to solve this particular problem. Um, you really want to talk about what action you took to resolve the situation. Result or the R is the most important, you know, um, aspect that you want to talk about. And I will also say it's often the one that is most missed in an interview. So, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, when you're talking about the R or the result that you're really talking about, you know, what impact did this have um, on the organization? Um, you know, was I able to maybe save some time, cost, money, um, anything along those lines? Maybe you were able to come up with a way of doing things that, you know, that organization or firm is still using to this day. Um, so wherever possible, you want to be able to talk about really what impact um, you, were able, you were able to have in that scenario and, um, you know, try to quantify it if possible. But really, this method is a great way to not only prep for your interviews, but also to kind of use it in your interview to remind yourself to make sure you cover off all four of these very important areas. I absolutely love that structure and that method and easy to remember star acronym situation, task, action, and result. I think I got that right. So what are some key questions you should be asking before the interview? How do you know if you're going to be a good fit? Yeah, that's a good question because yeah, the, I think this comes down to preparation. Um, I mean, oftentimes your recruiter will, you know, share with you, you know, what the important details are that you need to know in advance of an interview, like, you know, who you're meeting with, you know, kind of an idea of what, you know, what type of questions you can expect or, you know, what, what really the purpose is of that interview. Um, now, in terms of questions that you want to ask beforehand, I think it'll depend on who you're connecting with and going to for those questions, but really, you know, kind of 
probably gauging, you know, how does that organization or how does that role kind of match up with what you're looking for in your next opportunity? So, you know, part of that also, you know, comes from, you know, you kind of, uh, kind of, um, you know, doing your own kind of questioning in a sense of, you know, what is it that I want out of this opportunity? You know, what areas am I going to be able to develop? And, you know, why is this a role that I'm kind of putting my hand up for? So, you know, when you are connecting with others in the organization, it's great to, you know, kind of get a sense from them on, you know, why, um, you know, why they enjoy working there, you know, what the role actually looks like, how, you know, maybe the time is split up between different activities, you can get a sense of what a day to day might look like, um, really anything that will help you, you know, feel a little, a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more prepped going into that uh, formal interview. Komal, I wanted to go back to you and just ask you some difficult questions students might come across in an interview. What would you say? Yes, yeah, so th there is a question that I always see students struggle with, which which I find surprising because I think it's a pretty standard interview question, um, but it's a question about your weaknesses and development points. So I think students are almost afraid of this question because they really just want to draw attention to their strengths. Um, but I think the most important thing to understand is that we're not asking this question to trap the candidate in any way. Um, we all have things that we need to improve on. And to acknowledge that shows that you're showing that you have self-awareness, that you've taken the time to listen to feedback in a constructive way. And we want to know what you're doing now to work on those development points. Um, this is this just shows that you've taken responsibility and you're working on yourself. And ultimately, that's the type of integrity we're looking for. Excellent stuff. We can go on and on about interviews for sure for another half an hour. But before we wrap, Komal, I want if you can just remind students the recruitment periods at Fidelity and, and sort of what's the next recruitment period coming up. Yeah, of course. So we will be recruiting for the fall term in May. So please make sure to check your school job boards and apply to our job posting. Excellent. Homo Mansura, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your insights and really practical recommendations and advice. Thanks, Emily. Thank you so much, Emily. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Next podcast, brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada. You can visit fidelity.ca for details on future live webcasts, follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcasts on your podcast platform of choice. 